Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Didn't you know that Jesus came and died? No, we didn't. So he did what? He explained it in the way, led him to Jesus Christ, then baptized him in the name of Jesus. I believe that everybody that was baptized during the time of John eventually was baptized by Jesus after they accepted him as their own personal savior. So this is not a saving baptism. There is no saving baptism. It was an external act for the Jew, realistically, just like circumcision was for the Jew. It was an external act sharing what they had admitted in their heart, that they were sinners. Today we're diving into the Gospel of Mark. What we'll learn is that God is a God of hope. Just think about it. He saw our condition. He saw us in our sinful state. He knew that we were lost and dying, heading for an eternity void of His presence. But you see, He didn't leave us alone. Understand today that God loves us. It's true. He saw our need and decided to make a way for us to be forgiven. The scriptures teach us that God loved the world so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus. And if we would believe in Him, we would be saved. It's by His, <clears throat> it's by His sacrifice, His shed blood, that we can be cleansed of our sin. Because of God's love for us, we can have hope. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1, with part one of our message entitled, A Voice of Hope in the Wilderness. The title of this morning's teaching is A Voice of Hope in the Wilderness. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ the Son of God. Mark doesn't waste any time with genealogies or whatever. He's not writing to Jewish people. He go, he's trying to prove the lineage of Jesus Christ like Matthew does. He just goes, boom, right into it. And what's his theme? Look at it. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. So Mark starts his account by stating the theme, what he's going to talk about as he goes through the book, and it's called the good news. Then he says, here's how the good news is going to be announced to the world. I've got five or six things. If you want to take notes, they'll be on the overhead this morning. I encourage you to do that. The first one is this. God is a God of hope. He keeps his promises. Look at verse 2. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for Him. Now, Mark is going to explain. He starts off with, there's going to be a gospel, there's going to be a person, Jesus Christ, but before Jesus comes, Mark moves right to it. He says, there's going to be someone coming to prepare the way for this Messiah. Now, because he's writing to the Gentiles, he's going to explain the history from the Old Testament. You see, the Gentile at that time never studied the Old Testament. They didn't understand the Old Testament. And so Mark here in these two verses really combines two Old Testament prophets, Malachi and Isaiah, and he kind of mingles their message together. It's the same message. Why don't we look back in the Old Testament Isaiah. Turn to the book of Isaiah. Keep your finger there in Mark. The book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3. And you will see 
how he joins these predictions together. Now, why is he doing this? Well, I think he's doing this to show something about the character of God. It's very good when we study the Bible if we can connect the Old Testament and the New Testament together. See, they're not disconnected. They're not disjointed. They were all written through the person of the Holy Spirit as he inspired all of those different writers for the 66 books. And so they are a, a, a unit. And Paul is trying to say to the Gentile people, you don't really know anything about the Old Testament. And by the way, that's why we study the Old Testament on Sunday nights. We go verse by verse in. It's tremendous principles in the Old Testament for our lives. I mean, you'll see tonight, even the kinsman redeemer with Boaz, how that matches up. How this marriage between Boaz and Ruth in the Old Testament is a wonderful picture between Jesus Christ and ourself in the New Testament. Just wonderful truths that come out and plenty of practical things. So look at Isaiah 43. This is really what Mark was saying and he combines it and he says this. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Here's what Mark's saying. God had promised a Messiah long before the day that Mark was writing. Way before, thousands of years before, God had predicted that there would be a Messiah. And preceding the Messiah would be a, a man who would come and make the paths straight for the Messiah. Let's take a picture of what that means. In the Old Testament, when a king would say, I'm going from point A to point B, he would send out workers ahead of him. They would go and clear the road of rubbish and whatever and smooth the rough spots out and get it so the king or the important person as he went, it would be an easy travel. It would be, the road would be available for him. So Isaiah in his prediction, as well as Malachi, are saying this. The king is coming. Before he comes, there has to be some work done in the hearts of people. It's not the road. It's the hearts of men and women. And that work we'll see later is the work of repentance. So when repentance is ready in the hearts of people, then Jesus could come. It would pave the way. So this is what really is happening. So what Isaiah is saying is it's going to happen. And so what do we see happening? We see this happening. So what Mark is trying to say is God keeps his promises. If you need a promise this morning and it's in the Bible and God's given it to you, it will come true. God doesn't break his promises. Now, the difficulty is it doesn't come in our timing, does it? Very often. So these people had been waiting 400 years since it had even been a prophet. They're waiting for this Messiah. But now we're going to see Mark's going to say, he's here. He's here. The forerunner's here. Let's get excited about what it is. Back to Mark, chapter 1, verse 4. And so John doesn't mince words. He could probably preach a sermon in 12 minutes. Here's what he says. And so John came. In other words... That's it. We bring you right there. We bypass all the, the little stuff people want to talk about. John came. The miracle is here. He is living. He is here now. Baptizing the desert region, preaching a baptism repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Point number two. God uses people to bring his message of hope. God uses people to bring his message of hope. Mark identifies in his gospel this messenger as John the Baptist. Now, who was John the Baptist? You can write this down. I don't have time to go through this morning, but if you want a greater description of who John the Baptist was, you can look back in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 11 through 17, but I'm going to give you a little synopsis. 
There was a Jewish priest by the name of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They had been serving God many, many years in the temple, ministering as a priest would in those days. Elizabeth had been barren all her life. She couldn't have children. That was a devastating thing in the Jewish culture, as we'll see tonight, even with Ruth, because the land couldn't be passed on to your offspring, kept in the name of the family and so forth. So it was devastating. But they had been praying all their lives for a child and nothing happened. One day, while Zechariah was at the temple and he was working and ministering unto the Lord, an angel came. And the angel said to Zechariah, there's going to be a sound of a little crying baby in your house. And it's going to come through your wife. Now, she was past childbearing age. He couldn't believe it. And there's a whole story in that, but I won't go into that this morning. So there was no possible way. So here is a promise from God that's impossible for man to accomplish. But we find out as we go through the story that this little boy is born. Now, the angel at that time said a lot of things to Zechariah. And here's what he said. Zechariah, you don't have to get your book out with thousands of kid names. Let's see what we call this kid. He says, you're going to call him John. Some of us would do better with that, wouldn't we? We argue back and forth. John will be his name. And you'll call him John. And the angel went forth and he said this. He's going to do a lot of things. He's going to bring a joy to your family. Obviously, that's going to be true. And because of his life, the people of Israel, and I'm going to use you guys as the people of Israel. And basically this morning, you were far away from God. You were into religion, but you didn't really know God. So all of these people, all of you would be the Jewish people. John the Baptist, when he come, would draw the people back to God. Wow, what a great message that was going to come from a life of a miracle child. And that's what the angel said. In fact, so much so that he said to Zechariah, the people will think he's a prophet like Elijah in the Old Testament. One of Elijah's things was to call the people back to repentance, back to God. He would be like an Elijah, his lifestyle, the way he lived. And this was all predicted by the angel. Now, Mark then just doesn't give us any of that. We got that from Luke. But Mark then just comes, and we see there in verse 4, he says, and so John came, just came. So the first few years of Mark's life, certainly as a child, then he went into the desert, into the area west of the Jordan, down toward the Dead Sea area and all of that area, and he ministered there himself to God. And he had a different kind of lifestyle, and we're going to see what that lifestyle is. But Mark brings us to this passage of Scripture, and now he says here, here's the public ministry of John the Baptist. We don't really know all the things that happened in the past, but here's what's going to happen in the public. Let's take a look at it. Look at verse 6, and we'll see what kind of person this John the Baptist was some 30 years after the prophecy came forth from the angel. It says, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. So let's look at John's clothing. Uh, he wasn't the latest fashion guy from Spiegel, was he? He uh, made clothing of camel's hair and a leather belt. In fact, his clothing was kind of odd, but the clothing was to identify him as an Old Testament prophet. The clothing identified him as one that would be in the wilderness. So he was doing a number of things. He was identifying with what his role would be. 
He was outfitted to survive in the desert, in the wilderness. And if you've ever been to Israel, and those of you that are going with us, you'll see it's just unbelievably dry and nothing there and rocks and dirt and rocks and more rocks. And so he dressed appropriately. What he was also saying was this. To the religious leaders, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, in town in Jerusalem, they had wonderful flowing robes, rich. And they would strut through town like they're special. John was saying, wait a minute, I don't identify with those guys. I identify with the common, everyday man. I think that's important for us in areas of ministry. You see, I'm not against robes, nothing with robes. You could wear a dress suit, ladies, a certain outfit or guy, attire, whatever, and try to be prideful in that. Forget the robe part. It's our heart that matters. We didn't come here to see a man. We came here to talk to God. So we just want to relate to people where they're at. We're all just on the common level. Remember, we sang it this morning, Amazing Grace. We were all wretches, weren't we? Till God saved us. So we're all equal. So John was making a fashion statement of his own to the hierarchy of the church. Well, what kind of food did he have? Hmm, take a look. Locusts and honey. Now, what was the message John the Baptist was going to have? So he had this weird guard on that was kind of weird for the day. He survived in all those years in the wilderness and, and on locusts and honey. Let's look at verse 4 and see what his message is. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So what John the Baptist was going to do was this. He was going to say the way to get to God is through repentance. That was his message. So that brings us to point number three, which says this. Repentance is the first step to God. Now, there's two areas of repentance, and many times when we hear the word repentance, we get this mixed up. Here's what the two areas are. The first is to turn away from your own walk, from walking your own self, and to turn toward God. So it's turning away from your old lifestyle, and it's turning toward God. Listen to what Eugene Peterson says. Repentance is not an emotion. It is not feeling sorry for your sins. Quite often that happens in church services. We, You'll have in a service, and God speaks to somebody's heart, and it's an emotional decision to serve Him, and they're just sorry they're, they're a sinner, they got caught in their sins or whatever. That is not repentance. Emotion can be part of it, but emotion is useless unless there's a decision. See, repentance is a decision of the will to change with God's strength your life. When I talked to Pastor Paul, he said the Russian Orthodox Church, and I'll have more to say about that later, he says the very few people that go, they will go and light a candle. By the way, if you're going to light a candle there, you have to pay for the candle to ask the priest to forgive you of your sin. And after you do that, they go back the next day and live exactly the same lifestyle they lived before. See, that is not repentance. That's penance. That have no work of ever getting yourself to God. So Eugene Peterson says it is not emotion, it is a decision. It is deciding that you have been wrong in supposing that you could manage your own life and be your own God. I love it. You see, the world's trying to manage their own lives without God. In fact, New Age says you are God. You're part of God. You don't need God. But repentance says it's deciding you've been wrong. It's deciding that you were wrong in thinking that you had the strength the education, 
the training to make it on your own. Repentance requires an about-face, a 180-degree turn. So here's repentance. If you're here this morning, or whenever I came to Jesus Christ, and I realized I was a sinner, I was walking this way, I was doing my own thing. When God spoke to my heart that I was wrong, I stopped. I made a decision for Him. I accepted in my life, but then I turned 180 degrees and I start to follow Jesus Christ. That's what the role of salvation is and true repentance. Many people are at this point and they repent, they feel sorry, but then they go back to their same lifestyle. That is not repentance. There's no conversion there at all. Now, John the Baptist said he was coming. He was going to share this truth with the people. And as he did that, if they would repent, he would then baptize them in water. Now, for us, that doesn't sound too strange, but for the Jew, baptism was strange. Jews were never baptized. The only person who was baptized was a Gentile who converted to Judaism. They were then baptized, but the Jewish people themselves weren't. So this is going to be a very strange learning experience for all these Jews because they were never, ever used to that. Now, what kind of baptism was this? The baptism of John the Baptist was different than the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of John the Baptist was a baptism of preparation, of getting people to say, I'm a sinner, I know I'm wrong. They were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. The baptism in the water did not save them from their sins. Jesus hadn't died yet. There was no way. See, there's only one way to be saved. It isn't by water baptism. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So Jesus Christ had to come, live, die on the cross, be buried and resurrected for us to have salvation. So this baptism is not at all a baptism of salvation. It's a baptism of preparation. Remember, we studied that a few weeks ago when we were in the book of Acts. John came into the town at Ephesus and he saw these Christians and he said to them, Hey, something's different in your life. What's happening in your life? And they, he said, What baptism did you... Well, we were baptized under John. He said, Under John? That was 25 years after Jesus died. Didn't you know that Jesus came and died? No, we didn't. So he did what? He explained to them the way, led them to Jesus Christ, then baptized them in the name of Jesus. I believe that everybody that was baptized during the time of John eventually was baptized by Jesus after they accepted him as their own personal Savior. So this is not a saving baptism. There is no saving baptism. It was an external act for the Jew, realistically, just like circumcision was for the Jew. It was an external act sharing what they had admitted in their heart, that they were sinners. Now look at verse 7, and you'll see quickly what John the Baptist does that's very important as an example in my life and yours. And this was his message, John the Baptist. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I, John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John the Baptist was preaching the beginning message of hope. He was always pointing to the person of Jesus. Jesus was the real reason for hope. It was not John the Baptist. Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the one who would come. And if you want to follow a little chart, you can follow this kind of a chart this morning. Here's John the Baptist. His ministry goes like this. It's constantly decreasing. While Jesus is down here at this point, nobody knows him, but his ministry goes like this. You see, and John the Baptist knew that Jesus' ministry was going to go like that, and his ministry is going to go like this, because he was always pointing to the one that was going to change people's real lives. He was just preparing the way 
Very important for you and I to realize we're not the one that changes anybody's life. We must always be pointing people to Jesus. He's the one. There is no other name under heaven whereby a man may be saved but through the name of Jesus. So John the Baptist did that. He set the example perfectly for us. Now, let's begin to immerse ourselves in the text. I'm going to bring the stool out here and I'm going to be John the Baptist this morning. You guys are going to be the Jews. Let's think about it a minute now. Who was the audience? Look down at verse 5. John had a message. He had his clothes. He had his food. He was pointing people to Jesus. Who was he talking to out in the desert? Think about it for a moment. If you had a great new revelation and a new product, and you wanted to advertise this new product, where would you advertise it? In the desert where there wasn't anybody? No, you'd go right down downtown Jerusalem, wouldn't you? You'd put up the sign and you'd begin saying, new product, new person's here, wonderful, come try it. People would be thronging about you. What does Jesus do? Well, before Jesus comes, John the Baptist is assigned the job of telling people that Jesus is coming. Where does he tell them? Out in the wilderness, where nobody is around. Strange. Why? You'll see why in a moment. Look at verse 5 and see what really happens. It says, The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. It doesn't mean all the people. It means all the people. Masses of people. Confessing their sins... They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. The verse in the Greek literally reads like this. Listen. That drew from Jerusalem and the whole Judean countryside, streams of people constantly flowed into the wilderness to hear John the Baptist and his message. Some historians say that up to 300,000 Jews came into the desert to hear John the Baptist. Now, put yourself in your town. You guys are living in the, in the area of Judea and Jerusalem. You're going through your normal life, and John the Baptist is, the closest he can be to you is 20 miles from Jerusalem because he baptized people in the Jordan River, and the closest spot to Jerusalem of the Jordan River is 20 miles. There's John the Baptist. He's out there. Now, why would you go out and walk 20 miles to hear somebody sit and say this to you? You're away from God. You're sinning. Some of you are in adultery. Some of you are lying. Some of you are caught up in cheating your neighbor. Some of you have broken all the Ten Commandments. You're headed to hell without God. You need to repent. You need to be baptized in anticipation of the Messiah. Now, why would you walk 20 miles to hear that? Do you know why? Because in your town, you were empty and bored and lost. And you had no clue what life was about. You see, the reason I believe, there's a number of reasons. Some people believe that even the belt that John the Baptist wore was from Elijah. Our salvation isn't determined by our obedience. What we do or don't do doesn't save us. In today's message, we learn that while baptism is a commandment, 
It doesn't help you earn your salvation. Remember what the Bible says. We've been saved by grace through faith alone. It's not by our works. On the other hand, we shouldn't ignore the commandments of God. They were given to us for our good. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3111. The title of this message is A Voice of Hope in the Wilderness. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is MB3111. The title of this message is A Voice of Hope in the Wilderness. Or, if you'd like, you can just remember today's date. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we'll be reminded that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There isn't a single person that can claim to be good. You won't be able to find one person who's going to heaven because of what they've done. We all need Jesus. We need His blood to cleanse us and forgive us. That's the only way we can have hope. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 